So welcome, Anthony Trucks, to the Never Broke Again podcast. Thank you, man. That's Happy a good to have name. you on. And want to hear about the skills that you know that if someone stole all of your money tomorrow so that you'd never go broke again. Like what skills I have that would pretty much make it to where I'd never go broke? I know some of those. That'd be fun to talk about. So talk to me a little bit about that. I, I see, I've seen you on Instagram before. Yeah. You're like a, some sort of motivation coach, fitness guru, all the above. You've got an <laughs> Oregon football helmet in the background. Yeah. Like, what, what, what's going on with you? Uh, man, I help people make shift happen. So it's, it's funny. It's the world that I do, you know, the things I do it in. The best way for someone to grasp it is go, oh, he's motivational, which that's always a piece of it, right? Um, there's always a framing of, of whenever you're, I think, in some way trying to get someone to do something, you have to motivate them to do it. However, the things that I do are not tied into just doing that. I think you, you leave a lot on the table for people. I think you actually shortchange people when all you do is motivate them because then they're like, all right, cool, I'm motivated, but to do what? Um, fitness was a, a career I used to be in. I used to play in the NFL, so it was also like an area that I knew real well. My degree happens to be in kinesiology, which is a study of biology, anatomy, physiology. Um, I say all that to say my focus nowadays on teaching people how to become the human being that accomplishes all the cool things they want, uh, to do what I call is making shift happen. And that can happen in your career. That can happen in your business. That can happen in your marriage. There's another level we all aspire to, as I turn my phone off, because that's pretty rude. Um, there's another level we all aspire to, but we typically don't realize that if your dream doesn't match the identity for that dream, then you don't get the dream. So you have to elevate the human you are. If not, you can always sit on the outside looking in on what you want. Mm -hmm. And with you being in the NFL, a lot of NFL players go broke. Yep. By 73%. How did, how did you separate yourself from that statistic? Well, I didn't at first. I almost went, I did go broke. Ah. I didn't go bankrupt. I'm, I, I went real broke though. At one point I was, uh, dude, it was, Chris, it was Christmas Eve. I think it was Christmas Eve. I'd had surgery in like 2013. And I was living like in a, like a 500 square foot studio apartment. My twins used to sleep on an air mattress next to my, my twin bed. So we didn't have much. It was like, uh, this is after the NFL. And at one point, man, I was like collecting change to pay my rent. And I had to borrow $5,000 from my ex-wife to pay rent for my house and my business and get my kids presents for, for Christmas Eve. So I got broke, man. Never went bankrupt, though. But there was a point in time where I was like, this can absolutely never be my life again. Like this moment, I could never ask my ex-wife for money ever again. And so what I ended up doing was I, I kind of hunkered down and started focusing solely on making money. And I think that was one of the things that all my life, like, you know, when, when come from what I came from poverty, it's like money's hard to get, you know, don't focus on money. Only, only bad people have money. So if you don't want to be a bad person, don't go seeking money. And I realized like, man, it sucks being broke and that's not a good way to live. And so for the first time I was like, I got to find a way to make money. And, and it led me down this pathway of fighting to get this contract a big power company, and it resulted in a quarter million dollars um, of revenue. I got to, it was two twenty profit, and it was the first time that in my life I had framed it as like you know when you're growing up in the, the realm that I did, we're really poor growing up. Money was incredibly difficult to come by. Like, and, and bad people only bad people have money. 
Like literally I would say to myself, I, I remember in my head, like you have to do something bad in order to make a lot of money. So I told myself, there's no way you can make a lot of money unless you're a bad person. I was like, well, I don't want to be a bad person. So I better not go after money, you know? And it was the first time I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to be broke anymore, man. I just want to make money. So I focused on that and sure enough, made some good money. And I realized that at the end of the day, I don't know how it comes to play. Maybe it's the movies that we watch, the TV shows we watch growing up, but it's, it creates this, this framing in our mind of only bad people have money. And if you don't want to be bad, don't go after it. So we end up living a lot of our lives as broke. And, and I would, would much, you know, you'd much rather be broke than be ostracized by your group of, of people you grew up with because you're seeking money. And then now in my life, I'm like, no, some of the best human beings in the world seek money because it's a facilitator. It's an exchange of something. It's just an exchange of value. And so like that for me was one of the big like catalysts of, of me learning like one, yeah, you can go after money and, and openly say it without being a bad person. It doesn't make you bad. And then two, you have to end up like digging in deeper and doing things that are completely out of character and out of your norm to get there. Whatever you've been doing to get there, whether it's been talking, learning, working really hard, you know, you're going to have to do things different and work actually harder. And that's usually also the second barrier people run into is like, they don't, oh, man, I, I did my best. Where's the money? Well, your best wasn't good enough to make that money apparently, or you'd have it. And so your best needs to be better. And, and so those are some of the things I took from those windows of time. And how did you shift that mindset growing up in a place where, you know, money was abundant with people who were doing bad things, yet you didn't want to fall into that, that realm per se? Yeah. Well, I don't, you know, I don't know if I was around people that had money that were doing bad things. I mean, you, you did have some of the drug dealers around town, but it wasn't like they were like in my area. I wasn't interacting with them. But I, it's also something where think of how it's, it's seeped into our societal, you know, movies, pictures, radio shows. It's, it's always the villain is the, the billionaire, you know, the bad guy is the billionaire. And it's, it's interesting. It's like, it's not always the case, man. Like some, if you, if you think about the way that our world works right now, I am on this platform that we're using called Riverside. I'm on a computer that's built by you know, these massive corporation companies. Yes, but it makes my life easier. How else would I talk to you? Right? We all have these phones, these different you know, things, and people made them not just to serve humanity. They made them because they wanted to make money. Now, in making the money, they, they are inherently going to have some people be happy and some be sad. But in the overall, at the end of the day, they made a buttload of money, we'll call it, making people's lives better. And so I think the mentality shift was one where I realized that it's, it's kind of this thing where most of us have been duped into a manner of, of seeing things on television and movies that, that position the money guy as the bad guy or the money woman as the bad woman. And in my experience, the people I have met that are millionaires, there are vastly more good ones than bad ones. Like I would probably say like 90 to 10%, there are phenomenal, loving, big-hearted human beings who are doing great things with the money they have. And they did great things to get the money. And so the mentality shift wasn't something that I just all of a sudden woke up with. It was off of experience, being around those people, not having massive judgments and assumptions of who they were. I think the NFL was a big piece of that. You get to be around these, these humans that have that money, whether it's the other teammates or the people around the industry. And then in the world I work in now, I get to you know interact with large corporations and, and their employees that make good money or other business owners in my space that are heart-centered, man. And so it's just, it's just seeing the real world for what it is as opposed to what is being 
you know, shown to us growing up. Yeah, and that mindset that you talk about, Anthony, in the NFL, do you feel like the mindset of the players is separates the ones that last a few years versus the last a lot longer? Yeah, I mean, part there's a lot that goes in. That's a, that's a that's a loaded question, my friend. <laughs> there there's a lot that goes into the NFL situation because it's it's the right place, right time. Genuinely, if you go to a place that that needs you uh, and you're not the best, but you're the the best they can get. You get a chance to play. You're on a roster. You could be a phenomenal athlete in a place that doesn't need you, and you would be nobody. You know, you could be in a place where they, they you know, it's a phenomenal athlete. You know, they don't need you, but then some guy gets hurt, and then now they need you. Like it's so it's up and down. Yeah. I will say this though, that whole environment is a is a mental washing machine. You get tossed around. Um, you get told good things, told bad things, lied to. It's just the nature of the business, dude. It's tough. It's cutthroat. And I think what allows some to sink or some to swim, it is the mentality. Can I put up with this? Can I deal with this? It is much easier. You'd be surprised. It's people's dream. But the dream is to play. But playing is such a small percentage of what really takes place in the bigger picture of all professional sports. That's what you see. There is so much done in the dark, man. And some people, the, the darkness gets overwhelming. And they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And they walk away from the dream because everything that comes with the dream was just too heavy. And so, yeah, there is a mentality around it. It's not a money thing. It's a mentality of like, can I do this with so much discomfort? Because there is discomfort every single day. Uh, you can love practice. You can love preparation. That's cool. But you got to love the coaches and the team. And you got to love the playbook. You got to love the, practice, the, the players. You got to love the environment. You got to love being away from your family. Like all these little things, you have to find a way to love them. And if you, for some reason, it's something you can't handle, you'll be out of there quick, man. And, and it'll happen... <laughs> Before you know, and I think we almost subconsciously will find ways to do it. At one point in time, I did for sure. My rookie year is like, I don't like this place. I don't want to be here. And subconsciously, I would do things that were edging me out before I knew it. My second and third year, I figured it out. But that first year, I was like, this is just a lot, man. I hated it. Like, I, I loved the game playing it, but everything that came with it, I couldn't stand it. Yeah, do you feel like that business side of the NFL – gave you a more unfair advantage when you got outside and you had to essentially restart from zero? Um, it's a great question, man. I feel like I've never been asked that question, which is a good one. Good. It's not. So I would say the business, the business of football didn't teach me business at all. There's, there's zero business skills that I can utilize now from the, the game. We'll call it tactically. Uh, it just doesn't happen. There's no understanding of marketing and sheets and, you know, and, and tracking and systems and sale. None of that. You're just going out and playing a game, you know, doing the best you can. However, the intangibles, oh, man, priceless. Like the things that I can endure simply because I endured football, it, it's, I can't put a price on it. Genuinely, I can't. It's it's the kind of thing that I think has separated me and allowed me to move faster. Because if you think about it, your ability to progress forward in business is going to be based on your emotional control every day of, of the week. Can you show up when you don't want to show up and do that thing you don't want to do at the fullest ability and beyond what's what your capability is now? So can you lean into something that you don't love doing? Most people, the, when met with the emotional We'll call it discontent of a of a task or an action. They get like this, and we'll call it a cognitive dissonance. I know I should do it, I don't want to, and then I just don't do it. I make it an excuse, perfectionism. I procrastinate, and they don't get it done. And then what happens is they're stuck at that point. Whereas for me, I'm like, I don't want to get it done, but it's on the docket. I'm getting it done today. 
Like the workout is like, I didn't want to work out in the NFL. Your body hurts. You're tired. The workout must get done. I don't want to go to film. I don't want to pay attention to that. The, 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 you have to go to film. It's going to get done. Man, this, I don't want to learn this playbook. You're going to learn the playbook. Like you just, you don't want to do it, but it gets done. And so what happens is you progressively get better and better and better, almost against your own will, you know? Whereas in business, most people get stuck at that one point. So where you might get stuck for six months, I was making six months of progress. So at the end of a year, I could have five, six, seven, eight years to year one because you're still stuck and I've been nonstop moving. Not because I enjoyed it. I might have hated it more than you did, but I didn't have a reason internally that was big enough for me to stop. I just learned to plow through it. And people go, oh, man, you shouldn't hustle. It should be, always be love. Like, nah, sometimes a journey sucks, man. Like the journey is like the, the goal is to have a journey you love, but you have to earn that. Like it, people will say, well, in business, it should be, if you don't love doing it, maybe you should do something else. Ah, it sounds good for the person that doesn't, you know, doesn't understand how the business world works. But a lot of the things we do are built off sheer discipline, which is us doing things we don't want to do. Um, but you end up finding out that the beauty is you get to earn a journey you like, you get to earn a day you enjoy, you get to earn a lifestyle you love. And that does take days that you don't love. Yeah, we had we had Ryan Blair on here, and he told us he pretty much sucks at everything he starts doing. <laughs> yeah, we all do. And I've heard stories. Kobe Bryant said, like in middle school, he didn't score a single point the entire really? season. Hmm. I didn't know that. So, do you feel like those who suck but continue to hit the wall and get up, and then eventually plow through that wall? Do you feel like that is what separated yourself from? from being becoming broke and staying broke after yeah. the NFL? There, there's something, uh, it, it's, I'm going to introduce you to something I've been, been working on in the background big time because my work's an identity. Okay. And an identity is this thing that you eventually shift into. And the question is how? Well, you do it through work, okay? Like there's things you complete and you do. So you accomplish something and you feel great because you accomplished it and you go, that's who I am now. Without the accomplishment or without that work, it's hard to identify as that thing. So like if you... Say you've never ridden a bull. Are you going to say I'm a bull rider? No. But if you work for the next five years and you win a title, are you a bull rider? Hell yeah, you're a bull rider. You know, it's, it's logic. It's simple in that manner. So what does that work look like? What I have found is it's something I call dark work. There's this moment in time when I was 15 where I was not good at football, but I wanted to play. And I was, I'm literally, I was not, I was trash. I was horrible, man. I, was, I just, the, the, the <laughs> feeling associated with doing it was bad because I would get hit because I wasn't good and that physically hurt. And the emotion of sucking, I, I didn't like either, right? It's just a, a double-edged sword. So most individuals in those moments when they try this new thing and they suck at it, they go, I'm never going to get any good at this, right? We'll call it that, uh, that fixed mindset. I'm never going to get any good at this and it sucks. And so they make good excuses uh, and they get stuck there. And I think what ends up happening is those who become successful have a different thing that they do in the background. It's called dark work. I, I remember I sold out in terms of like energy and effort into like, I want to be a great football player when I was 15 in the off season. And so I started doing all the things that I could think of. And I, I didn't really know what to do. And I also had teammates making fun of me, like, you know, poking you suck at this. What are you doing trucks? But I showed up every day and I, and the dark work is unique because Dark means you're away from the world. There is no celebration. There's nobody giving you a high five. There's no one keeping you accountable. There's, there, you know, it's not there. It's just you building up pride for every step you take. And so for me, what it was, was I was every day showing up and doing the work, 
against my feelings of wanting to do it, against people telling me I shouldn't do it, but I sold out and did it. And then what happened is, this is the, I think the answer to your question, I got to this point where when I showed up, there was this mentality that if it was me against you, there was no way on earth you're going to win. And here's what it was. I have done too much work in the dark for you to take what is mine in the light. And, and this, it's like, it wasn't a verbal thing. It was an instinctual, guttural, like an internal sense of like how I identified. I had done way more things than you could imagine that, that I wasn't let it go to waste. And so what happened is not only did I, one, develop the skills necessary to succeed in the light, which is, I don't care if it's on this podcast, I don't care if it's lifting weights, I'd done all these hours. But the interesting thing is I developed the skill and the confidence, the identity to deploy that skill in the moments necessary. And so when you talk about the Kobe Bryant of the world, that's actually a guy I study. He tells a story one time about how they, he, rookie year, I want to say, went to the playoffs. He missed a big shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He missed a big shot, dude. And then he went home, and, it, and it's, I think it's in the Muse documentary. He goes home, and he was shooting at the local basketball court for like hours and hours. Nobody saw. No one knew about that, but it aided him. And so because of that, in his dark, his dark moments, he would work when no one was watching. He wasn't doing it for accolades. He wasn't doing it for you to see. He just did it. And then he came back the next year, and I think he won. Like, he at least won that, that game. And what it was was it was like this, this dog in him. Like, that, mom, that mamba mentality, that was built. It wasn't just created. It was built in the dark. And so what happens is you, you then show up to the world, and you deploy it differently. And, and he's a great example of like, he came back and you didn't even know about this story until he told it in the muse. Think about that. Like it was such a dark story, like a dark work story. You know, the world didn't know. He didn't tell people, Hey guys, last year I was out there shooting hoops. No, I was just, I'm ready for this. Like there was this different kind of energy there. And those who I believe are, are seeking that, that next level of success we are in a world nowadays where everybody's got to document this and show me this. And if you ain't show, if you didn't show it, you didn't need it. Like there's so much in the light that no one's doing what really got the successful people there, which is they went dark, they turned the lights off, they went to a back area and they just worked like monsters. And then what happens is they emerged. Like that's kind of, think about it. What's the scariest thing for us with monsters? It's watching them come out of the dark. That's period what it is. And so when I look at my world and I want to do something great, I don't go, hey, world, I'm going to do this. Just wait. I just tuck back, man. And I just, I, I build that monster in the dark and let that bad boy come to the light. That's interesting. The dark, what, what you're doing in the dark behind the scenes that people aren't seeing. What, why, do you, why do you feel like Things that are good for you are bad in the present, such as hard work. But things that are actually bad for you feel good. I don't know like if it's bad for you. When people are doing things in business or life, like they have mm -hmm. the bad things are good right now. I don't, know, I don't know if bad things are good. I would say hard things are good. You can't say hard's bad. I mean, if you think about the way that our muscles work, it's, it's hard to lift weights, but they're never going to get stronger. Like it may be hard. You, I wouldn't say lifting weights is bad, but it's hard. But it becomes good for us because you build up strength and your bone density gets stronger. Your, you know, your cardiovascular can improve. You can, get, you can get much healthier by doing hard work. But I wouldn't say bad. I would say that our brain is designed for comfort. So our brain may feel and, and associate that with bad because we're always going to find the efficiency. We want to be 
the easiest, simplest, most, you know, comfortable situations. Our brain literally seeks comfort all day long. And it's it's the other part of the brain that's like, stop that. You know, so it's this internal battle all day long. So I I, I wouldn't say that it's bad. Um, but I do know that there are things that we do that are good for us that are bad in the sense of like, it is good for you to sit down and relax and, and not do anything, right? It's good because in the long run, like you say, like I won't subject myself to possible failure or or getting hurt in the workout, right? That's that's good, right? But then it's bad because what happens is life will present you with a moment that needs you to have prepared for it. And if you only did the good, easy stuff, you will be ill-prepared for this battle. There's a uh, statement I have on a, a painting over here, and it says, smooth seas never built skilled sailors and if you think about life man we all get thrown in these storms that we didn't expect and a lot of us are showing up to these storms having never been in a storm having never prepared for the storm we just kind of were like ah oh, we we like the smooth seas but then when the storm hits which really is what you have to get through to be successful get to the other side of the ocean to live in that amazing place many people cannot cannot do what needs to be done to navigate that. So they go back to the shores they were used to and they get stuck in a place that they don't want to be. Yet the ones who prepared for the storm because they subjected themselves to storms or difficult situations, man, they get to experience that oasis. The oasis. What's your what's your oasis? Control. I saw, I saw a picture of you with your kids in the pool. Is that your oasis? Yeah, man. It's a little oasis. You know, it's it's what that the picture is a great Example, it's, I, I look at life interestingly because this thing is, it comes and it goes. It's just moments. Life is moments that are always, you know, slipping through your fingers like an hourglass, just at the sand. It's crazy. Like this morning, I was like, Father's Day's over. On to the next day, you know, it just, it happens. So you really got to be, really got to be present in the moment. But people have asked me, what do you think success is? And I think success is control. People will say that, you know, success is money and it's time and it's, it's all that. I get that. But if I make a bunch of money, and and I have the ability to do things with it, but I can't control my time because I got somebody I got to ask for two weeks off. Like it's not that's not really fun. I wouldn't call it success for me. So I'm gonna say, oh man, you got a bunch of money, you could buy anything. Yeah, I got a bunch, I could buy anything. What if my wife hates me because I'm never home with the person that I'm supposed to be spending money with, or my kids don't see me, or what if I was a punk? I, I created, I became a bad person while making the money, or if I have no time to spend it. Well, that sucks. Right. So I think that when I look at the realm for me of control, I, I'm like, can I control my time today? We're going to be going to the, the Warriors parade and they won and we're out here in the Bay Area and we, we went to like every game we could go to besides, I think, the, the second game. I think it's game two here at Chase. And the thing for me, it's like I literally could reach out to my team and say, I need to cancel these two podcasts. Why? Well, because I'm going to take my family to go watch the parade. <laughs> it's like. So yeah, that's what we're doing. Like I have control of my life. Now the thing is, I don't have a billion dollars. That's not success to me because if I thought there's the things I would have to sacrifice to make a billion dollars right now, I don't want to do it. It's not worth the trade up for me. It's it's something where for me I want I just want control of my day, control of my life. So if my kids get off for summer like they're out for summer, I can be at home for summer. Right. I can, and I can, I can pick them up in the morning on when school's in. I can take them to school, pick them up in the afternoon, whatever it is. I want control of my life. And so my oasis, I'm in. It's a very interesting space to be because I don't want for much. Like I have, I have a lot of the things that I can ever desire at the moment, quite literally. Like I can't, there's days I think like, what more do I want? I'm like, I don't know. And so the things I work for at this point, are like I work for the future that I don't see that I may want more control. 
if that makes sense. And so while doing it, it's like, how can I, how can I make sure I'm setting myself up financially, physically, health-wise, relationship-wise? How can I set myself up for that moment I can't see so I don't show up to it ill-prepared? And while doing that, how can I help a ton of people along the way? How can I help as many individuals with perspective or thought or heart or whatever it is on the path to getting there? Yeah, that's super cool. And when you were first starting out, you were taking you back to that uh, the air mattress your, yeah. your kids were laying on. You're in that 500 square foot apartment. Some people may just give up. How did you keep pursuing to get that first deal that took you from that point to you close one deal, close two, you close four, you close eight, and then yeah. it just starts to flow. Like for some people that are just starting out are super struggling, they're working hard. Yeah. The first one's about the hardest one, man. Like it literally is the hardest one. It's there's somebody that says the uh the first million is is, you know, incredibly hard. The second million's inevitable. And they say it in a sense of of like it's just gonna happen. But I I, I believe that certain Certain humans, after a certain point, get what's called that Midas touch. You know, the Midas touch, anything you touch turns to gold. Because there are people that we all know that, that for some reason, anything they touch just works. It's like, how, do they, how does it work? They don't have the information. They don't have the know-it-all. Like, they're coming from behind the ball. How did they do that? And what I realized was what took place for me at that time. Whenever I first had to, you know, go in and present myself to these different, a room full of 13 white businessmen who don't know me, I'm just this, you know, 20 something, I was like 26. No, I was like 20, I think it was 28 at the time, like 28 year old black fitness trainer coming into this big multi-billion dollar corporation saying, pay me a lot of money to teach your people how to do some of the things that I do. It's this weird thing. It's like, it's definitely not normal. You know, it's not, it's not in the, in my wheelhouse of skills at the moment, but you have to learn like, how do I come up with a presentation? How do I present that thing? How do I handle Q and A? How do I, the right responses how do i structure this properly so you're reading you're researching your trial and error you're asking people you're consuming and learning things at such a frantic pace that you're not even paying attention to the fact that you're now doing that dark work you're you're, you're doing the you almost flow into doing these things and what happens is now I, I pull back from it for a second i'm done i got that contract i can't go back to who i was it's it's out of alignment and that's a big thing that people don't grasp, that alignment with your current identity is powerful. It is one of the most powerful things for our behavior as humans. When you think of, there's studies that show that people, alignment is such a, a desired thing for us as humans that even in the face of glaring proof that we are wrong, we will still fight for our position so we are in alignment with what we previously said. It is the oddest thing we do as humans. Someone could be sitting there saying, this, this cup is, is uh, the cup I have is blue. You know, no, it's black. And I could say, no, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's black. And you say, no, it's blue. And I go, no, it's black. And you say, no, it's blue. And I can show it to you. It's black. Well, it could be a different hue of blue. You know, like you, people will do these kind of things. And it's like, why in the world can't you just admit? So I say that all to say that at a certain point, once you've worked yourself in a direction like I had, I identified differently. The things that would, I had to do to stay in alignment inevitably moved me to the next level of, of contract, of revenue, of impact. Because I couldn't go back, I would be out of alignment to go backwards. And so like the way that I function, the way I operate, like it's different if you have like an addiction to a drug, right? That's a whole different conversation. But if you know, if you've savored the flavor of what it means to make that money at that level or 
what it means to get up early, to get a good workout and to feel confident in yourself, feel proud to have the friends that you have now because you elevate the friendship levels. And people say you're the average of the five people. I think you're the average of the expectations of those five people. If they expect you to do certain things to be in this friend group, you're going to do those expectations and they get normalized to you. The same way that, you know, in the first walk into the gym, 150 pounds is heavy. Well, now if you've lifted it a bunch, it's lightweight. You go on to 300 pounds. It's just, it normalizes itself. And so you ask, how'd you go to the next one? Most people don't. I think anybody that gets to the first one and does it the right way, not someone handed it to you, you lucked into it. If you did the dark work to get up to that point, it's almost impossible. I've, I rarely see people slide back that far downhill unless something grabbed a hold of them from outside, you know, that they let in that shouldn't have been there. They stay in that realm of alignment with who they currently are and just go up. Yeah, it's what they, what do they say? Like, if you got to have that foundation, so you fall down, you're not going to go down all the way to the basement. No, you don't go down. The foundation's a big piece of it. And we all build it. It's just, you start, you start operating differently, completely. Yeah, what I've, What's very interesting about you, Anthony, is for the first part of your life, you were an athlete, focused on your body and yeah. pushing the limits of your body each and every day to get to the level of the NFL. Mm -hmm. How is that different than growing your mind? Because right now, it seems like you've put in that dark work to expand your mind to find opportunities that people aren't taking advantage of. Yeah. Um... It's interesting. You always, you always like step in the night. Here's what I think. I think that a lot of us are trying to find the thing we're supposed to be doing. Like what's our purpose. And I think there's a path to the purpose that most of us miss out on. The, the thing is a purpose. It usually is led by a passion, right? So the world of what I do now, I used to do sports and train and that was my thing. No, it was just me. And now I share ideas and thoughts in my life. And the journey to that was an interesting one because I think this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. I think all the things I've done before led me to here. This is what feels the most natural, most normal. I feel really in love with it. It's something, I think you find a sweet spot when you love doing something that people love that you do. And so this is kind of like this weird pocket I landed in. But I, I tell people that the way to get to a level of purpose, or at least where I got to my purpose, was you have to, you have, to have a passion. Right? There's got to be some kind of passion that is... It's almost illogical. The people around you should be like, what in the world are you talking about? You're going to go talk on a stage for a living? That's not an actual job, Anthony. Like, that's not what people, you're going to sit in your computer and build a studio in your house. That's not a real job, my guy. Like, you short because I just other people doing it and I'm really passionate about doing it. And then I think before the passion, people go, well, I'm not passionate about anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you might not be. Well, here's why. You haven't gotten curious curiosity is is such a incredibly undervalued like feeling i think we, we we're always walking through life knowing what we know trying to find out what am i passionate about and if you were passionate about something you'd already know it. it's what you already know so if there's only things in your wheelhouse you know of and you can't find passion then it's got to be outside what you know right yes exactly well how do most people find things outside of what they know they get curious What's that? What's behind that rock? What's under that log? What, what's down that stream? What happened at the end of that path? You know, and what we as think about as kids, kids get curious all the time. How does this work? What do you do? And they get they unpack things, and all of a sudden they have this thing that they love, this new little area they gotta go play in, this toy that they love because they got curious. And I think we as human beings, 
when we're when we're kids, our perspective is so wide. It's like this open, huge, gaping space of we can see. We do we can do anything as a kid. As you get older, that that perspective gets tighter and tighter and tighter until you're looking out of like binoculars. You know, it's like all I see is what's right there. I don't see everything else around. It's so laser focused. And so I think for me, what I do is I go, let me open that perspective again. Let me go and get curious. Let me take a look at what's going on in this world and, and kind of check something out, research it, read an article, watch a video. Because the curiosity is that thing that after, after you've gotten curious about something, it's no longer work to find out about it. It's fun. Oh, I read this new article. I watched this video. Man, this is super cool. I watched it. For, it takes over. It's, just, it's still effort and time spent, but it's, it's effortless effort. And then you go down the rabbit hole and you learn about it. You create this passion. This passion turns into actions. The actions turn into a purpose. And so for me, what I did is I was like, I love doing sports. And then it was like fitness. Then it was consulting. Then it was like speaking. And then I was like, uh, it was on fitness speaking at the beginning. And then it was like, I love this personal development stuff. And I just started getting curious about it and went down this rabbit hole. And all of a sudden, I find myself talking to thousands of people. I leave a couple of days from now to go talk to a thousand people in a room and tell stories and have fun and impact their lives and teach them things from my life. It's creepy. It's weird how it works, man. I, I sit back and, and I think mm-hmm. about it. people pay me oh, like $25,000 plus to come and talk to them for an hour. It is crazy. Now, the thing is, logically, you hear it's like just some dude talking. Yeah, but no, like I'm leaving insights and very specific points that change these people's lives, make these people money because I'm just giving them something new to be curious about to think about the process different that opens the door for their life to be better. And so it's just an exchange of value and it goes and it goes and it goes. And so that's kind of the realm of like, it's a progression of just people, anybody going, what in the world am I curious about that leads to you getting passion that turns into a purpose? Yeah. And now that you are compensated handsomely for your time, do you feel like you were giving this advice for free and no one was listening at one point? And now people are paying you for the same advice that you might have been given up for free? Yes and no. It's uh, interesting is I think what you have to learn as the skill sets to be able to get people to pay you actually filters into what you are telling them when they pay you. They're, the things that I used to say before, yes, 100% they had a level. But I don't think you can ever have something where you, you have a thing that's of value that's not not being, you know, we'll call it reciprocated well. Like it's it's hard to, to keep the, the, the value down, if that makes sense. So for example, the speeches I used to give years ago, they might have had some of the same words, some of the same, we'll call it not the same word, maybe the same messages, but they definitely weren't packaged the same way. You know, it's like there, if you have like a product that's inside, if it ain't packaged the right way, I'm not even going to grab it. Like a book with a crappy cover, I'm not opening it. You know, it's a crappy cover book, unless somebody tells me, but a beautiful cover, I'm grabbing, I'm opening it, you know? So I think over the years, you learn to package it well, and that is all part of the experience, all part of the value. I don't think I said the exact same things years ago because I also wasn't in front of the exact same crowds. You know, the who you get in front of forces you to improve what you do. Like, I, I get grilled when it comes time to me to, like, to get on some stages. Like, the people who are hiring me, they grill me, man. What are you doing? How do you do it? What's the takeaway? What's it going to be? Why should we pay you this? You know, explain this. And some people might go, how dare you ask that question? I go, no, it's a valid question. If you're going to pay somebody a lot of money, you should probably know what in the world you're getting as a value, right? But I understand what the question is, why they're asking it, how to frame it, how they answer. Like I, but you have to go through the stages to get there. So if I had someone that could, you know, could have the same message as me, if it's not packaged properly, if it's if it, the conversations leading up to it aren't the, the 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 right conversations handled the right way, 
You're not even going to get on stage. You have, it's like people, I yeah. think, sometimes assume um, if you have the greatest product that people will buy it. No, no, no. You also got to learn to market it, position it, sell it, like all this stuff. It's all part of the process to make the money with that stuff. So I didn't say the same things. No. I said some of the same messages, but it's definitely been refined and packaged better over the years. So you had to put in that dark work to all day, man. To package everything together. Hundred percent. And that's the thing is not sexy. Nobody saw it. And I I think that there's there's so many things that I've done that that if people like asked me about them, I think here's the thing. I think a lot of successful people, like who are whatever somebody would deem success, have you ever sit down with them? The things that they did to get successful are not sexy. But what you hear is all the sensationalized stuff that people want to hear. So they talk about it all the time. It, no one talks about how the internal battle of me sitting in the morning, like the alarm goes off at six and then, you know, getting up to get to my office by 6.30 and, and feeling confident and comfortable with the fact that I got here at 6.30. Just downstairs. No, it's not sexy. But dude, I do that during the week, every day. That adds up. I get, even if I just got, I don't know, let's say an hour. If I got an extra hour and that morning, well, if you time, it's like 250 hours ahead of you if you didn't get up at that time and do work. It doesn't sound sexy, but you give me 250 hours a head start, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you. It's, you can't catch up to me. But that, that's, that's dark work. That's uncelebrated. I'm not going to post up, hey, Instagram, I got this extra hour this morning. Like, that's not, you know. But that was the game changer. That's what changed the game for me and you. And so look, people don't understand how important it is. And I think it sucks because most of the people are looking for the sensationalized. Some of the best content on the internet that'll change somebody's life does not go viral. What does? The cat playing with the other cat, some comedian doing something, which is good, it's entertaining. But people would much rather be entertained than transformed, but they will complain about their life later on when all they had to do was look at transformative content instead of entertaining content. Most people's positions in life, I'm going to say, are, it's their fault. Once you've been told in your life, you got to work hard, you got to learn some things, do this, apply this. Once you've now been told that, boom, every moment from that point on, it is your fault for the position you're in. Whether you were the one that didn't take the action or didn't respond to it properly. Some people suck and they do crappy things. Yeah, that just happens. But at the end of the day, you always have a control of what you can do. Get back up and go again, man. But the, yeah, the, the stuff that, that happens, it's not sexy, it is in the dark, and nobody wants to hear it or do it most of the time. Yeah, and I feel like I remember reading somewhere Tony Dungy, famous former NFL coach was saying like mm -hmm. he was teaching his defenses that they need to react, not respond. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as you think about something, it's too late. Yeah. So yeah, it, down. it seems like with you, Anthony, you've done that dark work. So whether it's a good or a bad circumstance, you know how to respond rather than like, oh, I got to think about it. It's like, oh, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's different ways. I'm already hitting the face. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny you tie it to football. So defense is different than offense. Offense knows what they're doing. Defense has to instinctually function. And those instincts come from air. You know, what do they say? Um, I, I'm going to butcher this. I can't even think of what it is. But it says uh, good decisions come from bad decisions. Bad decisions come from, um, like, bad experience or something. I can't think of what it was. But something like, it's something that real. I'll help you out. You know what I'll it is? I'll help you out. My friend's mom. Okay, tell me what it is would always tell us, if you're going to be dumb, 
you're going to do something dumb, be smart about it. That's a good way about it. There was something that had to do with. Like, I was, was like, like, what does she mean? Um, yeah, it's it's weird. It's like good. It's, I, I got to feel the quote is. Um, good decisions come from experience. Experience comes from bad decisions. That's what it is. So, the way. So if you think about it, I will have an instinctual moment. Something happens, and I'll I'll go. I'll look back and go, was that a good decision? And that decision is gauged against experience. And then experience typically comes from making bad decisions somewhere. And so with football, it's like you, in order to get to the point of doing great in the game, you have to practice. And in practice, typically, you're trying to go as fast as you can and just instinctually react to situations, right? And what happens is you may instinctively react and you may find out there's a bad, bad decision. Like, okay, what was the reason? What did I take in? What, what did I read? What should I have done? Okay, great. And you go back to the drawing board. And then eventually that, that play will happen again. And your job is in that split moment to process it with the feedback from before and make the right decision now. And then go, okay, perfect. Got that one. Now I know how it feels. Now it takes less mental energy to get the right outcome. And that's what I think you need to do over time in business and marriage and in parenting is you have to have these things. You got to go full speed and flow into them and then go back and go, okay, what happened? What was wrong? What was right? Was it right? Good. Lock it in. How's it feel? And now what happens is when I show up to the starting line, me and you were going, we'll get to a point and you'll sit there and stew and, and, and ponder and, and get stuck. And I'm already past it because I've already seen it a few times and I've already navigated properly. And I didn't, I didn't even give mental energy. You're over here giving your full brain. My brain barely thought about it and pressed on because of the instinct that I learned by doing the things. And so you have to take actions, which everybody hears about. You have to fail, make bad decisions so you can learn. So it now becomes instinctual to make the right decisions in time. And then you get blessed with the opportunity to see the next problem. Yeah, and with that, I feel like we need to fail more, but people are just so scared to fail. In your work, why, are, why have you seen people are scared to fail? You know what's interesting is, it's two things. One, I think that they identify with the outcome, not the effort. Uh, it's, it's, it's something where whenever the outcome takes place, if it's not what I wanted it to be, I feel like I suck because I didn't get the outcome. Whereas for me, I'm like, bro, I gave the effort. Didn't work out, but that's cool. I'm gonna give the effort again. I identify with the effort. The outcome's great. Cool. I got that, made that money, made that contract. What I'm more proud of, I didn't, I didn't stop. I, I, I feel like I deserve this because I made the effort. I did the work in the background. The other part of it is people are like afraid to start sometimes, afraid of failure. And I, I've always noticed that whenever I've done like tons and tons of work on something, I cannot wait to put it out into the world. Like I can't, I mean, you can't contain me. I'm like, dude, I read this. I can't wait to, you know? So when I see people apprehensive to start, I go, yeah, they didn't do enough dark work, man. Like you, you're afraid of starting. You're afraid of failing. It's because you, you identify with the outcome because you don't identify with the effort because you didn't put the work in. It's what it is. Because when you've done that, think of that like football players. They got this swag. Like they got the confidence oozes out of them when they walk in the football field, the basketball court. That is not because they strapped some shoes on that day. That's because they have thousands of hours that you didn't see. And now it's like, hey, world watch out. Watch what I'm about to do. Like they, they can't wait to let you see how dope they are. You know, that is what a lot of people, non-athletes are missing. And they wonder, how do I get that? Well, you put hours in the gym, man. Basketball, it's easy. Shoot a basketball, dribble, 
you know, lift weights, the physical stuff. It's, it's, that's doable, right? But they don't see the mental hours. And on top of that, most of our business stuff is mental hours. Did you read the book? Did you do the meditation? Did you take care of your body? Did you lift the weights? Did you have the conversations? Did you reach out to people, create the systems? That is our shooting of the basketball. And when you do the bare minimum, you're going to fear you're going to fail because you're not confident in who you are or the efforts you put in. Therefore, you have to identify with the outcome because you haven't done enough work to identify with the effort and the work. And, and so you're scared to put it out in the world and you're a perfectionist, you're apprehensive, your you're fear. My fear of failure is making me not take an action. Nah, your fear of the fact you didn't do enough dark work is making you not take the action. Yeah, and with basketball, typically you start with layups and then you work your way backwards through the three-point line. Mm-hmm. In, in business, what do you think you see the most with people wanting to start at the three-point line and then work their way up to layups? Uh, they, they're, trying, they're trying to get a seat at the table that they didn't earn yet. They, <laughs> I think it's that flashy thing of identify with the, the I got to measure up to the, the, the top, top guys. Here's one of the quickest ways to go broke as a pro athlete, as a rookie, trying to keep up with the veterans. And the veterans will tell you this. They'll be like, me of Kevin Hart in the Dwayne Wade story. Hey, it's kind of the same thing. It's, it's, it's very similar. You know, like I, he, I don't got that kind of money. I got to check it and I got to save it. Right. But no, there's, there's guys that'll come in. They see the, the vet, man, he got this Porsche with this, you know, leather on the thing and it's all nice car. And then you got this nice suit. So the young guy goes, I want the world to see me like that guy. So let me go spend my money on that. What they don't realize is that expenditure of a, of $2 million or whatever it is, that's 100% of your money, but it's only 5% of the veterans, right? You're not, you're not realizing like there's a difference there. You, you, the veteran had to, had to do the, the dark, crazy layup work to get to the point of the second contract yeah. to make the money like that. And then they bought that because the ones that don't, those are, you don't see it. They're not veterans. <laughs> they're out. <laughs> they're retired, you know? And so the guys that are smart come in and go, okay, I see the vet and I see that person. Like they got the stuff I want. I'm going to go ahead and do what they did to get there. I'm going to learn the basics, the buildups, the process. And so everybody, they want to get back to the three. They want to get back to the far depths and do what the, the guys at the big level are doing. Look like them, dress like them, walk like them, talk like them. No, man. When you are doing what they did, look back at their past. I mean, even guys like, who's our, Grant Cardone. You look at Grant Cardone, he, he did what everybody else did. Went to seminars, learned his stuff, built up, did the work, and then he got flamboyant, you know? He got, he got it. You got these guys that come around and they want to be like him right now. It's like, it ain't going to happen, bro. Go get dirty. Go hang out in the dark. Go, you guess what you got to do? Because the things he can do instinctually that have got him there, you don't have that skills. You don't have that roadmap. You haven't done those hours. You'll never, you'll never be able to keep up with him or sit at the tape with him because he's got thousands of dark work hours ahead of yours that you can't touch yet. And you don't even see that. You're not battling the man. You're battling his dark hours. And so this is where I think people don't comprehend that you, you've got to go in with a mentality of, I am okay starting small. And people always ask, Anthony, like, like I, in the New Year's it happens and it should apply to everything. They go, hey, you going to go big this New Year? I go, man, I'm not. I'm going to go small in a really big way. The small things are going to be big for me. The small ways I focus, the small things I, I have as habits, the small, like intricate little hours I have, those small things, I'm going to go big with those. I'm not about to go big flash in a pan. That doesn't get anywhere. It doesn't build you up over time. I want it to be something where I establish and build so that when I do pull my seat up to the table, that dude looks at me 
gives me a wink and a nod, and we eat together. Awesome. What 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 table do you hope to be in? I don't know, man. I have no. It's a weird way that my world works. I am in and and out of my world. I have phenomenal colleagues in this this industry. That are, I mean, literally like the, the biggest names in our industry. I have, I'm in a mastermind with them. We have great meals and great dinners. We have great conversation. That's phenomenal. And so I sit at that table. But at the end of the day, it's like, if I didn't, I'd be okay. I have a wife I love. I have kids that I love. I have a life. I have a genuine life. And, it, and they add to my life. By all means, they add to my life. And there would be something lost if I didn't have them because I, lo- I love them as humans. And what they do, it's so awesome to be around such movers and shakers. But the table that I want to sit at is one where when I'm done, at the back end of my days, and I'm sitting next to my God, my mom, my family, they look and they go, you lived your life in a way that was life. It wasn't all about flash and pizzazz and who you know, but you lived. Like yesterday for Father's Day, dude, all I wanted to do was ride scooters with my kids down to get some Starbucks. We did that. And I wanted to play pig in the pool, like, you know, with the water basketball hoop. We did that. And we played pig Marco Polo. Oh, pig, like horse. Yeah, like horse. We played pig because it, it's really hard to make a hoop. So I was like, oh, pig no. in the pool might have been uh, <laughs> chasing a pig a in the pool. kind of game I haven't heard of. <laughs> no, we just played pig with a basketball hoop in the pool. And we played, we did Marco Polo for like an hour. And that for me is amazing, man. That's it. I don't I have to go like to Barbados with the kids. Like, no, I just sat in my pool and got all, you know, fingers wrinkly. But that, I think that is underrated for a lot of people, that there's such a nuance or, or, or drive towards social media to, to create my identity that we have lost sight of the identity of who you are off the internet. And so when you can go into the dark and create an identity off the internet, I find it's vastly more fulfilling and it actually becomes easier to create a desirable identity online in the light. And uh, to go back in time a little bit, have you ever thought about what you would tell yourself to that person who was in that studio apartment with the air mattress? Yeah, man, action and suffering. I live by that, dude. There's, we all have a certain level of, of suffering in some manner, some way. I don't know what it is for everybody, but if some are hard, some are easy, but there's, there's suffering. And the truth is, is in that suffering, most of us emotionally do not want to take an action or do anything. However, it's in those moments that it's the most paramount you take an action because it is only an action that will end that suffering. It may not be the first one. It may not be the second or third or fourth, but there's a collection of actions that are the only things that will change your life. Getting up, doing something when you do not have the emotion or feeling to do it. But that's the thing. So if I can go back to that guy, same thing he did. It was just like, dude, go, go take actions. I didn't feel like it. I felt like nothing. I felt worthless. I felt like a waste of space, a bad father, a, a loser husband. Like I was divorced at a time. Like I was, I was nothing. I felt like nothing. Yet that is the most critical moment to take an action. The most. And, and if I could tell him, I'd say take bigger action faster. That's it. What does it look like? Different for everybody. I will tell you, though, it is always going to be the most uncomfortable out of character actions. The ones where you, people go, what would my future self do? Wrong question to ask. I, I don't even think that's a, I, I don't know. I may ruffle some feathers. I think it's a stupid question to ask. You, what would my highest self do? I, you can't even see yourself. Like, where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, and it's weird. There's actually studies around this. There are quite literally studies done by UCLA that have found that people, when you ask them about future self, it's a stranger to them. 
they have no idea who it actually is. And so you're like, Whoa. it's it's weird. It's the truth, though. So what I tell people to do is find somebody who is living in a lifestyle you desire or of an identity you desire and go, what would this person do in this moment right now? For an example, if I go, um, I want to get in shape, uh, you know, let's say the rocks, the, the, the person that I want to aspire to be, right? Or like Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. <laughs> if you go, what would I do in my highest self right now during this workout? I'd get one more rep. But if you said, what would the rock do? Oh, it'd be like 10 more. Okay. You're right. It's a different, it's a different answer and you know it. And then if you do that level stuff, you get that level outcome. So when you're in those funky places, don't ask, what would my highest self, best self do five years from now? No. What would Elon Musk do in this moment right now? It'll give you an answer. You might not like it. It'll feel super out of character, very uncomfortable, but do that action and watch it turn into a different part of your life. Yeah, I remember people going up to Arnold Schwarzenegger in the gym be like, why are you smiling? Loves the pump. The dude loved the pump, bro. It's different. And, he, and he's like, he's like, because every time I'm lifting that weight, I just imagine me holding a trophy out upon that stage. Yeah. That's what it is. So he, it's almost like when you're in those dark times, if someone's going through those dark times, you almost got to like ground yourself and just smile and be like, all right, I'm doing the right things mm -hmm. to get out of this place. But ultimately, you got to go through that dark to get to the light. Only way. There is no other way. Because if you don't go through the dark to get to the light, when the light shines on you, you won't feel comfortable with what you got on. You know, It's kind of like if you didn't prepare properly the dark and all of a sudden they shine a light on you, it's like the person whose make makeup's messed up or the guy's collar's all funny. It's like, oh, uh, no, don't look at me. You know, Think about the people who win the lottery. This is statistics around people that win the lottery that actually go broke. Why do they go broke? People go, oh, they're just, they're not good with money. You can easily be good with money if you make a choice not to spend it. Go, I'm not going to spend the money. I'm only going to invest it. You could be good with money, right, if you did that. Here's what I have, in my own non-studied opinion, but studied in terms of identity, has noticed. When you don't feel like you deserve something, you, you do funny things, which aren't usually helpful, to get back to a place of comfort. For example, if I think that I, I am a person who's in the work to deserve, I don't know, five figures in my, in my you know, bank account, and all of a sudden I get seven, I'm uncomfortable every moment that I have seven and six. It's not until I get to five that I go, okay, I'm comfortable again. And it's not a conscious thing. It's a subconscious. So what do I do? I spend money. I loan money. I give money away because in my head, I, I didn't earn this. I don't deserve this. They, they don't get it, but it, it's a feeling. And at a certain point, it's like a comfort with a space that they're used to, which is broke most of the time, unfortunately. So they, lo and behold, they always go back to that same level because, again, if your identity doesn't match the dream, you don't get the dream or you don't sustain the dream. And so, like, for my kids... I'm, I'm really big on like effort, action, all this stuff. Like they don't have to do, they don't want for anything, but you're going to work in your own capacity necessary to build the skill sets. Because when I pass away, they're going to have a trust that has a lot of stuff in it, right? And if they don't understand that they deserve it because they don't know how to work or they haven't earned or done whatever it is that makes them feel worthy of it, it'll be gone. And so for me, it's, it's really paramount to not rob people of their hardships and for people to realize you got to stop wishing for things and start working for it. It is vastly better for your longevity in life to work for it because it eventually 
is not as hard as it is in the beginning. Yes, it sucks to at the get the get go, yeah. But eventually, that thing that was hard to do, it becomes hard not to do it. It's who you are, and it gets done all the time. And your desire to stay in alignment takes over. Yeah, don't you think it's funny how you'll go for something and you'll fail at it, and then you'll figure out how to solve that problem. And in the moment, you're like, crap, I just made a, I made a terrible decision. I just lost 5000 I just lost $10,000. Then people will pay you $25,000 to sit, solve that same problem in the future. Yeah. You have experience. You made, you made bad decisions. But if you didn't go through that dark, you wouldn't have gotten to that light. No, you wouldn't have. Yeah, you have to experience, man. That's what it is. Like, every time you're taking an action, doing work, you're experiencing and you're, you're going through an experience. You can sit there in the dark and do nothing, right? There's certain things in like the daily dark work you have to do. I call it daily dark work or like dark work directives. These are things you have to do actionably and that creates experience. You're moving and grooving. Dark isn't just sitting back and being comfortable with nobody watching. Dark is doing things that are ridiculously hard. Like you, you, the level of your dark work quite literally corresponds like equal to the level of your confidence or ability or success. So if you don't do hard, dark work, you don't get a high level output or outcome. So yeah, you've got to go in the back and do like certain things that are incredibly hard, but those are the things that turn into something. And, and yeah, if you can figure that piece out, man, everything's great, but you don't, it doesn't come to pass. Yeah, super dope. What do you got going on the rest of the day? The rest of the day, uh, we're going to the Warriors Parade, and then I got a podcast recording on my podcast later on. Besides that, man, not much. It's just uh, summertime. Hang with the kids. I, Your podcast is what, Shift Mindset? It's called Awe Shift, A-W-W Shift. Uh, it's how, shift. how successful people make shift happen. It's, it's tied to the moments that we talk about, like what are those awe shift pivotal moments where you learn something from a good experience or a bad experience that you then apply to your life and the outcome you got from it. Is it interesting being the interviewee versus the interviewer on a podcast? Uh, it's not so much. I think had I only entered podcasts as, you know, starting my own and then going on podcasts as an interview would be hard, but I started the whole thing as an interviewee. I, I, I was probably 500 podcasts in i feel like maybe not maybe like 200 podcasts in before i started my podcast and so i kind of was was going into my podcast with a feeling of what the experience already was for the guest so it's not too weird for me but i can see if i had never been like on a podcast and just started one to interview people i'd be like what do i say like what's interesting is like i i am a person who has spent a lot of time refining my message understanding who i am what i talk about examples so i have no problem hopping on being interviewed and then it also leads my podcast differently because then I can extract things from the people's minds in ways that I would hope someone would do for me or have hoped people have done for my brain. So it's, I think it's a good little setup. It works smooth. Yeah. For someone who hasn't listened to your podcast, what's an episode you'd suggest them listening to? Mm. One that is like, will really help them understand what your podcast is all about? Oh man, that's a good question. Cause they're all, they're all different. There's 325 of them now. I don't, I don't even know. There's so many. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's going to be hard. Which one do I start at? Do I start at number one? Do I start at 300? I think, you know, so we redid the whole episodes around three, I think at 300, 305, maybe we started doing a whole, we went after higher, we'll call it bigger fish. Like I was like, I want to go big at this point, bigger fish and revamp the kind of podcast style to where it's a longer format. 
and I ask deeper questions, we produce more. So we do more work in the background or produce to extract even better stuff from our guests. And so like, that's going to be the, the, the next staple. So if someone wants to go and like really get a feel for me and watch my journey, go start at episode one. We have great guests. Don't get me wrong. We have great guests, so much great information on those 300 episodes leading up. It's just that we kind of leveled up at around 305. 305. Mr. Worldwide. Yeah. 305. <laughs> ludicrous. Luda. Love ludicrous. But uh, thanks for bringing so much value to the Never Broke Again podcast, Anthony. Really, it was really enlightening. It was an easy conversation, cool. which is always, for me, the most fun podcast to do. And we look forward to seeing what you got going on. Thank you, man. I appreciate it.